What's up everyone and welcome to episode 123 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we'd usually talk to people in, who are involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Uh, but this is probably going to be our last festival review show. Um, so unfortunately you've got my lovely dulcet tones to listen to for however long this ramble about our tangent 2019 goes on for. Um few little bits and pieces before I get into the festival review proper. Uh, if my voice sounds really weird, I've been at band practice today, straight after band, um, Art Tangent, and I went a bit too hard because I had a really shitty day at work. So I decided to blow my voice out, which 10 out of 10, Tim, well done. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to keep my voice to a minimum, but yeah, it may sound a little bit gravelly. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, uh, oh yeah, so obviously this is a review of Arc Tangent. Um, I mentioned this on the God Eater episode as well. Um, I had a couple of interviews set up for for ATG itself, so there's going to be four weeks of ATG content. So starting this week with uh, the review episode, and then we'll have three uh, short interview episodes. Uh, they will be a lot shorter than the regular episodes because due to festival situations that you only get a certain amount of a lot of time uh generally it's about 20 thankfully because we're a podcast we get a little bit longer so it's generally about 20 minutes per one um so yeah they'll be dotting out for the next four weeks um and then we'll be back to regular scheduled programming uh with some fucking kick-ass guests i've like how the fuck i've got some of the guests i've got coming up i do not know um but it just shows that this show is growing. You guys are listening to it, telling your friends about it, spreading the word, spreading the love, which I cannot thank you enough about. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the admin things out of the way. Um, brief thing about ATG in general before we get into bands. Fucking wonderful festival every year. It's my third year now. Um, and it's just always such a lovely festival. Like come rain or shine and there was a lot of rain this year um it's still just really nice it was really cool that i got to hang out with some friends i haven't seen in a while got to hang out with some new friends as well which was really cool um so yeah kudos to art tangent kudos to all the bands i played kudos to everyone i met um and yeah that was that was kind of it really so basically i'm gonna go through uh my notes of bands that i saw um people who are used to kind of hearing my review episodes will know I kind of just ramble about the bands I saw but obviously if you want a more full in-depth thought out review of the show uh sorry of the festival um I will be writing a full review for alreadyheard.com along with various uh photo galleries of bands that I shot during the weekend so you can head over there either later in the week or maybe the beginning of next week depends on how proactive and how much time I have to to get everything done but yeah for now it'll probably just be me being like this band was rad that band was rad but we'll get through it anyway but here we go Art Tangent 2019 Uh, I kicked my weekend off with seeing my good friends in Ithaca Um, they were I think it was their first no, yes, it was their first time ever playing Art Tangent. Um, but I know definitely Jamila. I think some of the others had attended the festival in previous years as well. 
but for them it was a kind of a really cool sort of culmination of the year they've had so far in 2019 um it was awesome to see the px3 10 pretty full for them and it was really cool because they they've just grown and grown as band in this year um for a bigger stage for them in my well, in my opinion they i think this is the biggest it's definitely the biggest stage i've seen them on anyway but they just fully commanded the stage they've really kind of got this presence about them now um and yeah it was just really cool to see them sort of thriving and at such an early spot in the festival as well um closing with impulse crush as always but it just sounded huge on that stage and got a really good reaction so yeah it was kind of asked for a better way to start the festival especially considering i had to rush from work to get there was a bit stressed i was going to miss it um but managed to get there just in time and have a little chat with with Mills and Red and Sam uh, before they they went on stage as well, which was which was lovely. We um, then went over to see uh, Mammoth Weed Wizard Bastard, uh, who are kind of like a doom stonery uh, progressive metal band from from Wales. Um, despite kind of having a few sort of tif- technical difficulties that at the start of their set uh, specifically with vocalist Jessica's uh, sort of like synth noise thing I think it was a synth I, I'm really bad with instruments as you can tell there's a reason I'm a journalist rather than a musician um, but yeah despite that their sound was sounded really kind of big and monstrous um, the only thing is like with that kind of sound I do enjoy it, but in very small doses. So, it's even though this is going to sound hypocritical later on in this review episode, um, but it was just yeah, it wasn't. I think after the energy that Ithaca had sort of kickstarted things off, it was weird to to be brought straight back down to earth with with Mammoth. But they were pretty cool. Like as first time I saw them. Um, I definitely would like to see them in a smaller venue and maybe in kind of a capacity where they were on a bill with more like minded bands. I'm not saying they weren't on Art Tangent, but obviously there's so much at Art Tangent, so it's not all one genre, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, that was that. But then again, like following after that, there was Bosk, uh, who again was still like everyone who knows Bosco kind of that. Like, atmospheric soundscapey space post-rock band um and i had this conversation with a friend of mine i can't remember who it was now so if you're listening i do apologize um but we we kind of said oh no i think it, it might have been danny from bitch and brew so danny if it was you kudos i can't remember but anyway um the the fact that boss can kind of they have this really sort of euphoric and like immersive noise on record but then live there's just something there that just doesn't fully click and fully translate the the addition of sort of visuals and stuff did help because it kind of moved things along but yeah there was just something a little bit missing in my opinion for from Bosk's set so going from the high of Ithaca to those two bands back to back it was a 
little bit of a bummer, I will be totally honest, but it, I still had a lovely time. We'll put it that way. Um, then kind of going back to to PX3, saw Kundra for God knows how many times this year. I think maybe fourth or fifth. Um, but they they just every time they just absolutely smash out of the park, like. Even if that, I think they did change the setup a little bit this time. But even if they're still playing the same set, I'm not gonna not be impressed by them. Um, they just have, they know themselves. They know that their sort of value as a band. Uh, Connor, their bassist, sort of, it's strange because considering the technicalities of what Dan and Brady are doing. Um, Connor fills the space with his energy and what he's doing as a bass player and kind of it's it's a really good dynamic as a band like rather than the two sort of shredding guitarists and vocalists of the band being the f full focus and not maybe being able to quote unquote rock out as much as they want even though that, that not saying that they don't because they, they definitely do but Connor's energy sort of brings everything full circle and that really helps them as a collective so yeah and I think they were way too big to be on that PX3 stage they definitely should have been on Bixler in my opinion uh, for anyone who, who attended Dark Tangent knows Bixler's kind of like the I guess you kind of say intermediate stage between the two kind of quote unquote main stages anyway they were too big for PX3 in my opinion but always Kundra, fucking rad. Um, then uh, another Holy Raw band, Mole, Mule, Mule, Mole, however you say it. Um, now, I've been critical of this band before, saying that they are Death Heaven Light. I still stick by that in terms of the music they play. Like, Death Heaven's sound has evolved way more than the Mole's, in my opinion. Um, but that being said, they've vocalist is an incredible credible front person like he just exudes charisma and energy and for that type of music is quite unusual to have like if i'm if i'm sticking with the death heaven comparison like george is an incredible front man in terms of his presence but it is his presence if that makes sense whereas the dude from mole like He's more commanding and uses the space that he's got to his advantage. And yeah, that was a an advantage for them. But sonically and sound-wise, I don't know. There just seemed to be something a little bit off for, for them a little bit, um, in my opinion. Again, it might just be because my views of the band are a little bit tainted. Um, in that, I, I just can't differentiate that sound not being deaf heaven if that makes sense i hope that makes sense and it doesn't make me sound like a dick but yeah that was that was mole uh then we get into one of the first bands that i was really looking forward to over the weekend uh which is zelanado now this is my third time seeing zelanado and again it was nothing short of spectacular um it was graduate kind of a graduation for them as well because they played the yokai stage last year which is where I saw them for the first time. Um, and they were on the arc stage, which is the the festival's main stage this year. Um, 
and it, yeah, it just sounded massive. Um, and being having the opportunity to, to photograph them and being that up close and personal, there's just there's just something about that band that is just so captivating and mesmerizing, like the whole kind of slave chain music vibe that kind of goes throughout the band it shouldn't work but it does and I don't know how to describe it but rather without it kind of not doing it justice but seeing like that kind of heavy music put into this almost kind of like religious chanting experience is just something that is unfounded in any other band like I don't know any other band like Zealand um and the fact that they just kind of come out on stage and just do their thing crack on I think minimal words were spoken between the band and the audience um, and it just kind of adds to this enigma and aesthetic that is no it's not an enigma because everyone kind of if you want to delve into the backstory of Zealand it's very easy to do um, but there's just this grandiose feeling that surrounds them so yeah, they. I was always going to be impressed with them, and I definitely was. So yeah, that was Zelenado. And then, oof, boy, how do you follow Zelenado? Daughters, that's how you follow Zelenado. Uh, regular listeners of the show will know that uh, Lex was a former guest. I actually had the opportunity to meet him face to face, and he was wonderful, wonderful man. Um, got to take his portrait which was even cooler so was already buzzing before they even stepped foot on stage and they're just wild like not in terms of kind of performative if if like without sort of doing injustice like not throwing themselves around and stuff like that that maybe the daughters of old did they still have so much energy to them their lives performance but Lex himself is just someone that he has such a unique style that you can't take your eye off, eyes off him but then the other members of the band are do, doing like like throwing their guitars around spinning around jumping around and there's just a lot going on there's a, a lot of kind of visual stimulus I guess is a good way to kind of explain it um Musically, they kind of played a lot of like the newer material, which is, I think, totally understandable because they're kind of obviously going in that new direction. Um, they're getting away from the sort of Canada songs and Hell, um, Hell songs sort of era of things, but there was still like the scratchy, scatty guitars. And at times, like, you'd look at the two guitarists and you just couldn't even fathom what they were playing but it was just making this horrendous noise um, which then had Lex's weird repetitive kind of metronome voice kind of going alongside it so yeah they were definitely one of the one of the bands of the day um, and hoping to, to go see them again I believe it's in Halloween when they're playing uh, in London so if anyone else is available and available around why the fuck did i say available um around and hasn't seen daughters i 
highly advise going to going to check them out. Um, then closing out the Thursday uh, was Coheed and Cambria. Now, uh, I my first introduction to Coheed and Cambria was when I was about fourteen or fifteen, I believe, and they supported Thursday. Thursday are one of my all time five favorite bands. Uh, I saw this guy with a massive afro step on stage, and I was like, "This is probably going to be brutal." And then this harmonic voice came out, and I was like what the fuck is this um and just became a big fan admittedly dropped off in the last sort of couple of albums but i kind of revisited things ahead of this this uh sorry this performance and i'm glad i did because not only to do remind me of how many absolute bangers the band has but just how good they are musically as like in terms of their new stuff as well not just their old stuff um they their set was pretty much perfect like flavor house atlantic in there um sorry i should have definitely done my research before but yeah uh welcome home flavor house atlantic uh some of the, as i said some of the newer stuff so yeah it was a really cool really cool set for them um similarly to to boss they had like big visual screens which kind of almost told a story as each song kind of unraveled um claudio was on fine form all over the stage shredding head banging just yeah unbelievable and it was like they i think some people are unsure of what coheed were going to be like as a headliner because they're not a quote-unquote stereotypical uh atg headliner but they definitely definitely worked so that was um that was thursday so so yeah, then uh, so we move on to the Friday. Uh, now this was the day when I absolutely hammered down with rain. I think from the moment I stepped on site, it rained until I went to bed pretty much. Um, but that being said, it didn't detract from the amount of awesome music. It did mean I saw a lot of music though because I wanted to stay as dry as possible and undercover as long as possible. So. Um, Friday got underway with A.A. Uh, a. Williams. Now, I'd kind of not avoided A.A. A. Williams, but I just hadn't really dived into to her music at all up until the run-up to his fest this festival, and I was an absolute fool for doing so. Um, it's very... The comparisons to Chelsea Wolfe are the obvious ones. <coughs> Excuse me. Um... But her voice is just beautiful and just considering she was on the main stage for her first time at the festival was quite an achievement in my opinion uh, but her voice just traveled and filled the whole tent um and yeah it definitely was a performance that kind of solidified that position being that opening band on that main stage like it wasn't something that was given, it was definitely earned, if that makes sense. Um, and there's clearly a very, very bright future for for this this artist in coming forward. Um, so after that, went and saw another fellow Holy Royal band. It seems Holy Royal kind of had a, a, a monopoly on this festival this year. Uh, but we never learned to live. Um, 
again a band I'm not a huge fan of like I do like them like don't get me wrong uh Gary their drummer is a friend of our, of mine um so yeah that I do enjoy their music but it's not something that I would seek out and put on if that makes sense um but that being said they were really cool really tight there was a couple of technical issues towards kind of the end oh excuse me pardon me um but they just sounded really big and the atmospheric parts kind of really stood out uh yeah that's kind of all i got really say to about we never learned to live but they were they were good um band that wasn't so good though was who i saw next now good game uh after listening to them on the run-up to to the festival i was really into it was kind of had that kind of like twinkly uh sort of meet me in st louis vibe um but oh they were just a disappointment like everything just sounded like a mess and it was almost like the band members were just playing three completely different songs at parts um yeah it was just it was not good not good at all it was not a good game i'm afraid to say um but we then go back to to holy raw Taylor's, to holy raw territory uh with slow crush now again slow crush are a band that i've seen quite a few times now um they're kind of like somber shoegazy sound it, it's sometimes i don't know it can sometimes like once you've seen a couple of songs you can see it all but i don't know maybe it just was the the surrounding of art tangent and they of kind of setting where they fit better in my opinion but comparison to when they played 2000 trees earlier in the year their their sound just sounded a lot more sort of impactful uh and the somberness sounded a lot more kind of beautiful within it um the bass tone sounded just perfect um and yeah it just it, it was one of those kind of performances where everything just seemed to to come together and click really well so definitely definitely a band that caught my eye again because i remember i saw my first time seeing them was uh fluff fest two years ago maybe a year ago i can't remember uh and i was completely taken aback and then every time i've seen them since again this is not well it is a criticism but it's not like a, a jab at the band in in terms of I didn't necessarily enjoy the performances as much. Like I'd like them, but like there was a little bit, just something missing. And then at our tangent, it just it, whatever was missing came back, and everything just sort of fitted perfectly. And yeah, they were just they were really cool. Uh, now a band who I've seen again a lot this year, and they never failed to disappoint was Birds in Row. Now previous two times I've seen this year uh, they were playing smaller venues they played uh, the Anvil in Bournemouth if anyone's rem uh, familiar with that and then they played the uh, post fluff after show uh, which is in a venue called underdogs in Prague which is quite a small venue again maybe like 300 cap this was huge in like I, th I think when I saw uh, I saw them at fluff again two years ago and they played the main stage and that was probably the biggest stage I've seen them on and even though the crowd was really wild for them then there was a bit of a disconnect for me it personally 
This time round though, they played the Bixler stage and it just seemed to work. Like, I don't know whether it's the band as general, like they've just got a lot tighter, which I've said to many people, like, I guess that extensive amount of touring that they do, that they're gonna be tight as hell. Um, but they didn't seem to get lost in the big stage whereas I felt that maybe they previously had when I saw them on a bigger stage. Um, everything sounded just perfect and beautiful and hard and heavy and emotional. Everything that you'd expect of Birds and Row that was there in that moment at the Bixer stage. Um, my only one gripe, they didn't have their own lights, but that's just a personal thing. Um, but yeah, Birds and Row were definitely, definitely a highlight of the Friday. Um, we then went over to the Ark stage again uh, with The Ocean. Now, The Ocean was a band that I remember checking out again years ago. Uh, my brother, uh, who also attended Art Tangent, I was going to try and do this with him, but things obviously just didn't line up, so this is why you're hearing just a solo, solo venture for myself again. Um, but yeah, I hadn't sort of kept up with them in years. I, I, to be totally honest, I completely forgot they were still going. Um, they were running late, which, yeah, was a bit, a bit unfortunate. Um, but once they kind of got everything rolling, they just absolutely smashed their set. They, it's weird. They're kind of really rhythmic but really brutal at the same time. Um, they were definitely one of the most kind of like traditional even though they've kind of like got uh sort of progressive parts to them they're the most sort of traditional metal band of the weekend i'd say um but yeah they they were really cool uh, i didn't really watch a whole lot of their set because i wanted to go see sleep token now sleep token uh in my opinion took over the the monarch that Zelenardo had last year so when I saw Zelenardo last year it was like I remember describing it in my review for already heard last year it was almost kind of like a religious experience this is what Sleep Token was this year um it kind of helps they have a choir uh but it was just it was just so like beautiful in terms of like the guy's voice who is the main main person of, of Sleep Token is just you could imagine that voice on a pop song but it's got this these down tuned eight strings just absolutely shredding over it um, and the fact that they're all uh, what's the word I'm looking for Anonymous, thank you. My head couldn't quite work there. Um, they've got the the, the guitarist, bassist, and drummer are under robes, and um, and you can't, yeah, you, the vocalist has got got a mask on. So you, there was in, it kind of just adds to the mystique of the performance, uh, and it's yeah, it's just a, it was a really cool kind of experience. The sound and. Just everything about it was really kind of... It felt like one of those special special performances. Um, so, yeah, Sleep Token were, were rad. Yeah, so then after um, Sleep Token, uh, went to see 65 Days of Static. Now, again, 
I I feel like I'm saying this a lot, but again, a band that I'm not wasn't overly familiar with. Um, they're very typical of what Art Tangent is all about. Um, yeah, I I haven't really got a whole lot to say about Sixty Five Days of Static. They were okay. I got bored. Uh, I think I went and got some food, so I'm gonna move on. Um, on the other hand. Russian circles <coughs> excuse me again um, again a band I've seen quite a few times but this is maybe the best time I've ever seen them they had a couple of technical difficulties uh, at one point but it almost kind of worked their lighting was incredible they had spotlights behind them and when they uh, came onto the stage they had uh so i think it was the drummer started off and there was just a spotlight in the back of him and that went off then it went to the bassist and he kind of a bit and it went off then went to the guitarist and all three then came in together um it was a really cool sort of visual um and it's strange to say we'll get onto a band that played on the saturday that are kind of similar in this vein but it's strange that a post-rock a heavy post-rock band as well can almost produce a quote-unquote single pop song which they do somehow um, and it's, yeah it's they played a couple of tracks off the new record but they did they're very much they know how to play the festival system do do Russian circles and they quote-unquote played the bangers so to say and yeah it was because of that that just everything seemed to click uh, not that it never has done before, but I remember, I think it was last year when they played, they, even though we've just mentioned the visuals, I, I was more blown away from the visuals of their performance last year, whereas this year I was more blown away by the music. So, yeah, Russian Circles were definitely one of the highlights of the whole festival. Um, then we went on to, uh, sorry, Frontera. Now, Frontera is a band that uh, my band have played with a few times. Um, no, once, once, sometimes. I can't remember. We've played with them, um, and members of my band are very much, very big advocates of them. Personally, uh, I preferred the first album over the second. Um, that being said, though, they are an incredible live band. They. Uh, they're just so hectic all over the shop there's strobes galore and uh, for the first couple of songs where I was trying to do photos you could not see jack shit um, but their vocalist I can't remember his name now he's just constant all the time and because there's such sporadic noise happening around him it's almost like he's the ringleader and brings all those pieces together um, but it's not in your regular sense it's very, it's very strange and disjointed but it somehow works um, I personally preferred when they played our tangent two years ago but they were still absolutely rad um, but that's just my personal tidbit uh, closing out day two was battles um, now on a very wet day where the mud was just ridiculous throughout battles brought the party they kind of got like that sort of upbeat dance sort of 
beat to to their sound. Um, and it was really interesting to us, like the two of them, like the dynamic of how they play, like they play side by side. And from where I was in my perspective, I couldn't really see many glances or like sort of words between the two of them. It's almost they could just read what's going on with the music and know how to change it. Um, so it's a really kind of clever way that they play. Um, they did start with a lot of new material, which I myself was not that familiar with. I mean, I'm not that familiar with Basil's back catalogue as it is, but it was cool. But the highlight was obviously when they played Atlas. Um, it just got the biggest reaction, and I think myself included, when we were when people were walking back to the to the campsite, there was a lot of people sort of humming that and whistling, whistling the the rhythm tune of of that song. So. And it seemed to be a lot of people were kind of there to see that and couldn't give a shit about the rest of the set to be totally honest. But yeah, so that was that was day two. And then finally uh we get to the Saturday of Art Tangent. Um I started my day off with going to see the St. Pierre Snake Invasion. Um now I'd heard a lot of hype about their set at two thousand three, so I felt kind of obliged to go see them. Uh, at ATG, they and they were really cool. Like they've got that sort of uh, post-punk sound, I guess, kind of similar to. I think the easy com- easy comparison is the Refused. Uh, the vocalist was making very good sort of comic interludes between between songs, but they were really kind of energetic. On the on the flip to what AA Williams was the day before. So, even though there were bands before some PR, I will say that, but they were the first band that I saw. Um, it was a very kind of different experience. Uh, really fun. Sort of showing many different str- strings to their bow. Like, it's not just out-and-out punk. It's got various different layers and elements to it. Um, so, yeah, that was that. Uh, then a lot of my day on, on the Saturday was kind of dealt with with press so I did unfortunately miss a couple of bands Cassie's Metal Hands being one of them which I was really fucking annoyed at but we're going to let it lie I'm sure I'll have another opportunity uh, but the next band I did see was Puppy Riffs and Riffs Galore um, pretty much as cool as the record like that new record I really enjoyed it it was a, a big surprise for myself um, but the songs just sound as big and as sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Grandioso we'll go with as as they do on on record as well. Um, yeah, just it, they're just riffs, aren't they? They're just so many good riffs in in that band. So yeah, that was that was Puppy. Uh, then a bit of a surprise band. A lot of people kind of mentioned to me was the Contortionist. Uh, I listened to them on record again and was kind of impressed but oh my god live they are a completely different beast their vocalist is really really commanding he's got such a good presence such a good voice as well but their guitarist uh, Cameron Maynard I think it is um, what an absolute beast he is just shredding galore uh and yeah, just every kind of element of that band sort of just came together really, really well. Um, 
they came out to to Whitney Houston's um, and I will always love you. Uh, but when the big sort of crescendo, like they literally played the whole track. But when it got to the big crescendo bit, uh, it kept like skipping and, and replaying, but an octave higher each time, which was which was pretty funny. And then you had this just sort of beautiful, brutal sound coming out of the contortionist. Um, and even though it was kind of like emotive, quite emotive and brutal, they they're a band that seemed to sum up. I said. Um, the 65 days of static a typical ATG the contortionists sum up ATG uh, in terms of there's a bit of everything for everyone in that band and you can find something that you like in that band as I did um, after that the secret not so secret set of and so I watch you from afar playing their uh, self-titled album in full uh, it was also to mark their their 10th anniversary which I wasn't really aware of but this goes back to what I said earlier about Russian circles in terms of how a post-rock band can write a pop song. And so I watch you from afar are a pop band. I don't care what anyone says, they're a pop band. They create bouncy dance tracks which get crowds going wild. There were fucking loads of crowd surfers for And so I watch you from afar. Who crowd surfs during post-rock bands? No one. Who crowds during pop bands not many people but putting pop in post rock and so I watched from afar you fucking killed it again every time um, they are ATG's darlings they headlined uh, the main stage one of the days last year and played their latest record in full I think this is maybe their third or fourth time at the festival um, but this just it doesn't matter. Like people don't get bored of it, and I think that's that's the good thing from the band's perspective. It was good that they did the the record in full. Uh, the two songs kind of mix things up a little bit, but yeah, they were they're just awesome. Every time I've seen them, they've always been really really good value. Um, so yeah, and so I watched from afar. Well done, you. Uh, next, mixing things up completely. Car bomb. Fucking laser noises everywhere. <laughs> now, if you don't understand that reference, uh, Carbomb's latest song, uh, the uh, Greg, the guitarist, his guitar just sounds like a laser gun. Don't know how the fuck he does it. Um, but they were just raucous. Like, it was down tuned as fuck. Really heavy. Good beat downs. Just, yeah. Again, another band that, that my band is very much influenced by. Um... And it was it was cool seeing them on kind of a big stage because you could hear all the intricacies of the guitars and what was going on with the drums, um, which I think when we played with them in two thousand seventeen was maybe a little bit lost in a smaller venue, but they've definitely again similar to to A.A. Uh, a. Williams but in a different aspect they've definitely earned their place on a bigger stage and it's cool to see that people have kind of coming around to car bomb not that they weren't anyway but they're now becoming a bigger band that they deserve to be um and i think this performance definitely definitely proved that uh then to kind of change things up a gear again we go slower back to cult of luna now cult of luna is a band that i have uh quite a bit of a 
the history with I remember seeing them years and years ago in a tiny little venue uh, well it's not tiny but uh, the joiners in Southampton uh, it was pitch black blue uh, room and just this absolutely monstrous noise came out now obviously they've kind of moved on from that but they're still just heavy as fuck they just filled that whole arc stage with especially Johannes's like booming voice it's just so there's nothing like it in my opinion in that kind of genre like, there's a lot of bands that have that kind of doom voice but his there's just something about his voice that just makes it kind of sound apocalyptic in in the most beautiful way it's a weird thing to, to sort of say but yeah they like they're just fucking heavy well uh, yeah that's all i kind of got to say to them um Again, it's kind of weird that they, not the the hits, but there were songs that got bigger reactions. Uh, the Silent Man, which is a single off the new record, got a good reaction. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing the new record from from Colt Luna as well. So they were really cool. And then to change gears again, we go to Employed to Serve, uh, who were maybe the best time I've ever seen them as well similarly to Russian Circles uh, all five members of the band just had massive energy about them usually uh, it's kind of Sammy and Justine that kind of run the show and to an extent it was again but just all of them were, were on top form um, the new material just is going down an absolute storm for that band and they've worked their craft to the fucking T um and as a friend of the band so yeah no is that the right turn of phrase the band's friends of mine basically is what i'm trying to say like i couldn't have been prouder of them at that moment um sammy being sammy decided to crowd surf out to to the middle pillar and decided to sh shout profanities at people uh, but it was just, yeah, it was definitely a, a kind of a coming out party for for ETS in in some veins. Not that they were ever kind of a, a secret, but I guess it's just kind of solidified them as one of the the top tier UK metal hardcore bands at the moment. Um, and last but not least, my sugar, my fucking sugar. That's all you need to fucking know. It, they were so fucking good. Um, just like fist pumping, crashing cymbals, incredible production, drums all over the shop, guttural vocals, just constant guitars. But the thing, they played for near an hour and a half, I think. And it was it was relentless. It was just no stopping. I think there was brief interludes. <coughs> excuse me, um, for very minimal chit chat. Um, they kept went off for a very brief time before coming out to do the encore, which was "Bleed," and I can't remember the other song. But apart from that, it was just riffs and screams and everything. Uh, they had this massive kind of lighting rig which just made everything look phenomenal and yeah they were just they just absolutely killed it like when Meshuggah were announced for, for ATG there was a lot of quote unquote purists of the festival who 
still think of it as the, the post-rock festival that it is, or was, sorry, um, saying, why the fuck is there a metal band headlining our tangent? I think Mushuga just proved their point, really, as to why the fuck they were headlining it. That was just, yeah, easily one of the best bands of the, of the weekend. The production alone deserves its own review. <laughs> um but yeah, that was yeah, that was our tangent. Our tangent was fucking rad again. Um I'm sad to be home, as I always am after festivals. Um And yeah, that that's all I've got to say. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we will be back uh this week no, sorry, next week with the first of the three uh our tangent interviews that I conducted. But for now, thank you for sticking with me and listening to me rant on about Art Tangent. Uh, and thank you for listening to the Justin Inside podcast as always. And I will see you soon. Mm-hmm.